Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 43 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm okay, how are you? Yeah, also not bad, also Excellent. not bad. Yeah, what have you been up to? Um, not a hell of a lot, it's been quite a taxing week on a number of fronts. Yeah, yeah, same for me. Yeah, uh, quite a yeah, lot. I'm then. not going to dig into that in any great detail, but suffice to say, it was shite. Yeah, same, but here we are, it's the weekend, yeah. um, for, uh, for date stamp purposes, we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon. We are, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I took receipt this week of Sam Ashurst's new film, Frankenstein's Creature. Oh, okay. So Sam Ashurst of the Arrow Video Podcast. Correct. Yes, yeah. Yeah, interesting one this. It's been released by Hex Media. Okay. Uh, Laurie Brewster's company. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had Laurie on the show before mm-hmm. um, talking in the mouth of madness. But uh, certainly, Laurie's Hex label, if you like, have put out Frankenstein's Creature. I remember this a little. I didn't see this at Fright Fest last, right, okay. last summer. Mm-hmm. But... um. I spoke to a few people who did. Sounded like quite an interesting one. Well, I, I'm going to preface this by saying it's essentially. I don't know if you've ever watched like Sky Performance or something like that. Yeah, like National Theatre Live things and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's more, and it plays more like a play, right? Than what you would traditionally know as like a film. Is it an original story? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's Frankenstein. <laughs> But yeah. uh, told from the creature's perspective. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, yeah, so it's written by James Swanton, who's the only person in it, and he plays the creature, and the whole film essentially plays out like an extended monologue. Okay. Locked off camera. I thought it was really interesting. I think um, if you're going in expecting a film as you might know it, don't. If you're a fan of the theatre, and you can kind of make that kind of connection and make that leap to go, right, this is actually closer to watching a play, then I think you'll you get a lot more out of it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So how did it work for you, personally, then? I really liked it. Once I'd made the decision to go, right, hang on, I'm, viewing, I'm going to view this as a play. What you have is a single shot of a ramshackly... It, it looks like a stage. Right. And overlaid with kind of shots of frosty seas and stuff like that to kind of get you the, get you the feeling of, the, I guess, the kind of creature's journey. Right. I, I actually really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was quite interesting. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the theatre anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I took a lot from it. Okay. Sounds pretty interesting. But, yeah. Uh, I think if you were going, if you just saw it, saw the artwork, I think going in blind into it, you might be a bit taken aback right? Um, by what's actually there. Because it is a pretty stripped back, simple thing. I think it was shot in one day. Um, Cool. And it's, as far as I know, as far as I was able to identify, it's a single take. Right, okay. And it's Sam's directorial debut. Um, well, I no, think. I think he's done he's done some shorts and stuff in the past, but I Feature think it's his feature debut. debut. I see, okay, okay. And it's out through Hex Media. It is out through Hex Media. I do want to touch on something, and this is absolutely no reflection on what Sam's done with the film, but I feel like the package could have been better coming from Hex Media. Okay, go on. Well, they're a company who went with it when it's their own films. Like obviously, famously, lords, the Lord of Tears came wrapped in dark paper with a feather on it, and it. So they pay so much attention to their own work, but yet they don't afford that same level of attention to 
other films that are kind of on their label. Okay. Which I found interesting, and I find a little bit annoying, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, I mean, that's yeah, that's legitimate. Yeah, I mean, what this... Uh, it, the box didn't come wrapped. It was just a just a DVD box. Mm-hmm. Pretty cheap-looking insert print with admittedly cool artwork by Graham Humphreys on the front. I was going to say, because it kind of lends itself to something kind of grandiose packaging-wise. Yeah. The artwork's awesome. It's absolutely not. It's like a printed DVD rewritable disc that's <laughs> oh, in it and okay. stuff like that. Um, I just expected a little bit more from Hex Media, given I know how much they do in regards to their own work. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit disappointing in that regard, and uh, I would have liked to have seen more from that. But the film's off the look. Yeah, like I yeah. say, um, if you go into it expecting something far more akin to a play, then yeah. This made me think of another film, it just popped into my head right now. Do you remember a film from 2009 directed by Sally Potter called Rage? No. I saw it when it came out, so obviously it's been a little while. It's about, I'm pretty sure, like some sort of major incident that happens at a fashion show. Right. And the entire and the entire narrative is relayed in the form of monologues directly into camera. Okay. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I remember it being pretty good, but the cast were a bunch of people who went either were pretty established at the time or went on to do uh, interesting stuff. Right. Like Riz Ahmed's in it. Okay. And like Bob Balaban, Steve Buscemi, uh, Lily Cole, Judy Dench. Just just a bunch of unknowns. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's really really strange. Right. Okay. But it just yeah, popped into my no, head when you're talking about it. Never re- heard of. Never heard of it. Yeah. Rage. Worth digging out. Yeah. Um. Anything else on your watch list this week? Uh Yeah. I finally got round to checking out Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. Oh, nice. I still haven't seen this. Was it the uh, director's cut that you saw? It's the um, the uncensored version that's out now through sure. Curzon Artificial Eye. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, weird one. This. Obviously. Yeah. A lot of chat in the festival circuit. A lot of kind of uh mass walkouts. Uh. People decrying it as being yeah, sick apparent, and horrendous. Yeah, and, and it is pretty rough. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that it's fair to say that it is pretty <laughs> rough. There was some stuff in there where I, even I was like, ooh. Right. <laughs> well, but, um, yeah, th- th- I'm getting a bit sick of Lars von Trier, if I'm perfectly honest. Go on. Okay. I will go on. Matt Dillon in this plays Jack. Mm-hmm. He is an architect slash serial killer. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's Lars von Trier's kind of treatise on the state of art. And uh, it's boring. Right, okay. <laughs> it's quite boring. And I feel that that... I just want to say that I think Lars von Trier's an amazing filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But I'm bored of him. Okay. He, to me, now comes across like a petulant child kind of screaming out into the void. And I think people are kind of getting over the joke a little bit. Okay, I mean, like that's... that's I, I haven't seen The House That Jack Built, and I still think... That that's legitimate. Yeah, I I'm just getting a bit tired of it. I think the film was needlessly overwrought. Okay. Uh, <laughs> to the point where I was like, hurry the fuck up and finish. It's already two and a half hours long. Yeah, precisely. How baggy is this? Like, how much dead weight is it? In it making? feels baggy. Right. Okay. It really feels baggy. It also, I mean, <sighs> I get it. He's this enfant terrible character, and he's like making a really misogynist film at a time when. There's a particular reaction against that. Yeah, People are t- particularly yeah. attuned to that kind yeah. of thing. In a yeah. Me Too world, he's doing that, and obviously he doesn't give a fuck about any of this, but it all now, as Lars von Trier gets older, and as we see each new film come out, and he's still trying to do this stuff, it's just starting to feel a little bit one note, and a little bit like the scream for attention, when the guy's a fucking amazing filmmaker. <laughs> mm-hmm. He can make anything he wants. Okay, uh, and he yeah. does, but I'm not entirely sure that that's for the best in every case. Do you think that he's at a point where the inclination to shock is overtaking the kind of technical proficiency of the Very, stuff? very much right. so. And I think nowhere is that more clear than in the house that Jack built. 
Right, okay. Yeah, I right. mean, obviously, he's done, he did all the stuff in Antichrist, and he yeah. did Nymphomaniac, and so he did violence, and he did porn, and, mm-hmm. and now, he, now he's doing, he's kind of ramping the violence up to another level, but it just, to me, it just seems boring now. I've, I've seen him do it before. It's a shame. Yeah. I don't really know. Like, I, I really wanted to like it, and I just didn't. I thought it was boring, I thought it was tedious, and I thought it was old. And it, it felt a little bit desperate. Oh, it played out. Yeah, just shoehorn and concentration camp footage in and stuff. Just, okay. Just, I mean, it's just... Wearying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got, got to be one of the last performances from Bruno Ganz in there, though. Oh, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who sadly passed away fairly recently. He did, yeah, yeah. Um, Not a bad performance from Matt Dillon. Yeah, people have been talking about that, yeah. Not bad. Um, I guess he's a serial killer, so it's going to be a little bit cold and kind of disconnected. Yeah, sure. But, yeah... Something about it didn't sit right with me. Okay. But overall, not a bad performance. Okay. The best performance in the whole film comes from Riley Keel. Right, okay. She was pretty great in Under the Silver Lake. Right, spoke of about last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do still, still want to see it. I want to have an opinion on it. I think like I, like, I want to know where I'm at with it, and I want to know where I'm at with him. Well, I'm a man who can facilitate that for you, Mitch. <laughs> if we, uh, maybe one night if we're feeling particularly nihilistic, we should sit down and just do a dive into old Von Trier films. Fantastic. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Sounds like my idea of a good time. Ho, ho, ho. Um, Anything else? Not really. Okay. No, I think that was enough, to be honest, man. That uh, it's it, it was a trying experience, both of my stomach and my patience. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I jumped onto Shudder this week. Oh, my Shudder! Shush. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And um, I headed back to 2010. Right. Okay. And in the face of loads of things that looked like way more attractive propositions, for some reason, what I decided to watch was The Perfect Host. Oh, right, with uh, David Hyde Pierce. With David Hyde Pierce. Right, so, interesting. What you have here is um, a guy who is like a criminal on the run. Okay. And you kind of find out what he's done as the film progresses. He talks his way into a dinner party under the pretense of being a friend of this guy's wife. Right. He approaches the mailbox, finds a, a postcard, um, and so kind of sees, who, like, it's, it's obviously from his partner. He gets uh, her name. So he's like, oh, I've just been with whoever, uh, like your wife in this place and stuff. So he gets into the house uh, under those pretenses. And yeah, the guy, as you say, the guy who owns the house is David Hyde Pierce. Mm -hmm. Niles. Niles from Fraser, of course. And uh, he is about to host a dinner party. Right. So uh, he's quite happy to have this guy in his home. There's something a little bit off about him from the beginning. As it turns out, there's quite a lot off about him. (laughs) Neither, basically it's one of those things where neither character is who the other is thinks they are right okay and it goes in some pretty like it goes in some fairly interesting directions um i think it, it gets pretty guessable right as it proceeds but i would say if you're even halfway curious about how this sounds it's worth watching just for david hyde pierce i generally think he's really good he's absolutely brilliant in this i like i, I think that the film probably comes out at about average but it's absolutely anchored to him he's so so good and i think that I think it's fair to say the chances are that we're not going to be seeing very much of Kevin Spacey in the next little while. <laughs> and so, are you saying he's the new Kevin Spacey? I, well, I mean, you've got to kind of watch how you phrase that. But yeah. I think that <laughs> with some of the kind of like shadier, darker, more sinister characters that he used to play, I think that it's the kind of thing that, on the evidence of things like that, he could slide right into. Gap in the market. He's, he's, I was like, like I say, the, the film as a whole is like, adequate. It's watchable. It's right. A, it's like it's a reasonable way to spend an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But David A. Pierce is spot on. 
great. I think it's it's worth watching just to check out that performance. Cool. Also, another thing mm-hmm. um, which I hadn't seen this. I know you had, but I've kind of got a bit of history going back with the other films from this company. But uh, Zach Green, producer at Fatal Pictures, reached out to us um, with a screener for Hang Up, which I think is the fourth of their shorts, um, if I remember correctly. I've certainly had my films, I think, play with all of the previous ones, which would be Warm, Familiar, and Air. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Hang Up's the fourth one, again, starring Robert Nolan. Really interesting. Yeah, I saw this initially at Celluloid Screams. Of course, yeah. I think, uh, we, I think actually, I, I had almost this exact same conversation on a Celluloid Screams bonus episode. I believe, I believe so, yeah, yeah. So, in short, I don't want to dig in too much to what this is about, because it's only 13 minutes. Yeah. It's uh, basically about the pedals of butt dials. <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah, yeah um, a protracted answer phone or not answer phone message but an overheard conversation which goes into some incredibly dark tennis yeah it starts off dark gets even darker pretty amazing performance from Robert Nolan in this I think he's brilliant in all of their films I would say if you really want to see Robert Nolan absolutely crushing it in one of the Fatal Pictures films check out Familiar he's fucking unbelievable in it oh yeah yeah he's amazing that's cool That's yeah. that's. I haven't, I haven't seen any of the others so. well maybe we can get Zach to send the rest on Zach help us out man yeah <laughs> like, I, I want to get caught up no I, I really like Hang Up I think it's really interesting and like I say considering uh, it's a dialogue free performance I think that he's great he is great he's got a really he's got a really great emotive face yeah he does hang dog quite well <laughs> yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I mean that in the best possible way like I don't mean that as in any way as <laughs> kind of as a slight no, no, no. But yeah, no, you're right. He, he does, he does. He's yeah. got um, a very expressive face. Yeah, and it kind of, in many ways, a much more stripped back shot than the other ones. Okay. Which, given the story, I think works absolutely fine. It doesn't need to be any more than it is. No, it's a simple story, kind of simply told. But, I mean, yeah, really impressive stuff, I thought. Hang up from Fatal Pictures. Not sure when there'll be an opportunity for people to see that kind of more widely. Yeah, it's kind of weird with shots yeah, in is. that regard. But um, it very well might be on the still on the festival circuit. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. So before we move on, a couple of things uh, just kind of generally happening in the world of horror this week that I think are probably worth a mention. Yeah, yeah, I just want to quickly mention the fact that we are now on Saturday, like we said, and the world premiere of Jordan Peele's Us took place last night at South by Southwest. Yeah. And while I haven't really read any reviews, I was having a, you know, kind of out the corner of my eyes, scroll through Twitter just in case I saw any spoilers or anything mad. Certainly what I'm seeing, initial response seems pretty strong. Yeah, general consensus seems to be that he's done it again, which is really exciting. He's only gone and done it again, Mitch. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm, I am dying to see us. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, it's March 22nd, I think. I that, believe so. Um, that sounds right to my ear. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. out over here. Um, yeah, I can't wait. This has been a, this has been kind of top of my list for quite a while. Um, I've got a couple of interesting things coming out um, over the next little while cinematically in the UK. I think The Prodigy is out on the 15th as well, which I also want to check out. On The Prodigy. Sad news about Keith Flint this week, I've got to say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah big fan of The Prodigy in my youth. Yeah, but um, The uh, the Prodigy, the film, yes. hence him as <laughs> March 15th. Uh, we saw the trailer for that a couple of times at Fright Fest Glasgow. Probably make some room for that. And yeah, March 22nd, we'll have got Jordan Peele's Us. Also this week, speaking of um, directors who turned heads with their first horror features, Ari Aster, director of Hereditary, which is now on Amazon Prime in the UK, by the way, trailer for his new one, Midsummer. I'm sure that you can sense my excitement about Midsummer. Yeah, it's all over your tongue. And I'm sure you know and I'm sure you know why. <laughs> Go on. Well it kinda to me has a real Wicker Man vibe. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, a fair comparison. To me, it looks like both Wicker Man films combined into something that I desperately, desperately want to see. I think it looks tremendous. The trailer for it looks so creepy. Yeah, and I love that it all, pretty much all, appears to be shot in broad daylight. Yeah, infinitely scarier if you can do it right. 
way on board with that. And yeah, trailer was great. A twenty four um on that again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is always always a promising sign. So a couple of really good A twenty four films at the festival. Mm-hmm. So cool. um, uh, mm-hmm. I think mid nineties under the Silver Lake and Gloria Bell were all A twenty four films and they were all brilliant. Well, so, there you go. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so a couple of interesting things going on. I can't wait to see Midsummer. By the way, it's probably up there with my most anticipated films of the year. Yeah, definitely, it's right up there. So. After all this, I'm kind of getting a little bit disoriented here. However, yeah, I uh, did get one in this uh, week. Um, Wonders will never cease. Although, um, what I did was I actually watched two. Um, what? Uh, because I watched one and then I got, and it was a rewatch and I got midway through it and I was like, have I watched it for this purpose before? Right. So I because I watched Let the Right One In. We've talked about that. Which okay, right. So mm-hmm. let's not revisit that then because we all know it's great and we've already talked about it. Did you watch it again? Yes. Right. Um, okay. So that was my mistake. But as insurance, <laughs> um, to make sure that I got a new one on the scoreboard, I did watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What? I, I didn't even realize Killer Clowns from Outer Space was on the Shortwaves One Hundred. It is. Wow. Fucking hell. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. A great favourite of our old pal film fan Stevie's. Yeah. Um, Was that first watch for you? It was the first watch, yeah. How how did that go? Um, Yeah, he's been been recommending it to me for literally years. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really good. (laughs) Like, uh, I thought it was daft and really enjoyable. What? You thought it was daft? (laughs) It's not meant to be daft. Well, you know what I mean. It's supposed to be taken quite seriously. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it, though, Um, whether or not that was the intention. Yeah, I I love it. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Uh, I know Dennis Extra Atherton loves Killer Collins from Outer Space. Ah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. no, I had a good time with that. I really did. Um, One of of the kind of, uh, probably in the top half of the stuff that I've watched so far. Okay, that's that's good going, actually, for Killer Collins from Outer Space. I don't think it would crack my top 50 out of the Shotways 100. Okay, whether or not it'll make the top 50 in the fullness of time, I don't know. Oh, right, okay, of course. But, uh, yes, but yeah, I would say that it was no Angel Heart, but it was also no Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> Is that still down in the very bottom slot for Actually, you so far? I, 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 feel, I, I feel like I give that film an unnecessarily bad rap because it's just not for me. Well, I mean, I guess if it's not for you, it's not for you, and there's no, uh, we're all the best work in the world, that's not really going to ever really change. No. I think probably actually the one that sounded most up my street that I had the hardest time with so far was Asylum. Yeah, yeah which just yeah. D- d- didn't really land for me in any conceivable way. <laughs> but there you are. Uh, Fair enough. So yeah, still powering through the Shockwaves 100. I am going to at some point just set aside some time to re- kind of recenter myself with all this. Yeah, because I, uh, to be honest, I, I've got no recollection what you've watched and what you haven't. I watched. think I'm past the I'm past the halfway point now. <laughs> but I I'm gonna I, I right I give you a word. I'm gonna come back next week and this is gonna be like, way more grounded, way more structured. I'm going to have a definite number for how many I've watched for this purpose. Fine, Mitch. Fine. I'm going to make it happen. Right, good. Fine. (laughs) Moving swiftly on. What have they been saying? It's feedback time, and needless to say, a decent whack of the feedback this week forthcoming about Urban Legend, (laughs) episode 43. Big thank you to Mike Munster of the Evolution Horror uh, joining us for that one. That was a really fun episode. Loved it. Yeah, really, really good time. And uh, people getting in touch in their droves to chip in with their two cents on that one. Um, (laughs) First up, uh, we have got uh, Darren Gaskell saying, Urban Legend is a movie which I enjoy more with each viewing. I think my initial watch was clouded by the whole post-scream thing, and at the time I was probably just getting a bit bored with that kind of output. 
It's actually a decent slasher with very good performances. I agree across the board there. Yeah, me too. No problem with that comment at all. Darren, yeah. uh, on Instagram, Wicked Sister 69 getting in touch to say, I'm so excited for Urban Legend. Oh, it's nice. one of my favourites. Though I refuse to believe someone could microwave a dog to the point of explosion without someone at least questioning the smell. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair assessment. It's not something I'm willing to put to the test. No, um, I think I'd rather speculate than do the fieldwork on that one. Yeah. Um, but Party Pop, let's never forget. Yeah, put yep. one out for Party Pop. Yep. Uh, so it was what we would have want. Caitlin Downs, Scared Sheepless on Twitter. Uh, not specifically about the film, but about the episode. My commute was shorter than the latest Strong Violent PC, so now I'm sat in the car park listening to the rest, which I quite liked. Kind of an offshoot from Urban Legend uh, here, and um, I kind of threw away a comment that I didn't expect to draw so much ire. But right. um, we were talking about the fact that basically I think all three of us um, kind of landed on the fact that we all like Urban Legend and we all don't like Valentine. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, I don't particularly like Valentine. I've been quite vocal about that. Um, yeah, so comments coming in from all sides of the spectrum here. Um, Darren Gaskell, I have to mention Valentine. A fucking terrible film. That whole bleeding thing, Alone in the Dark came up with that 19 years earlier and utilised it a whole lot more effectively. I watched Valentine again to see if I'd mellowed towards it, but no, it's still a pile of arse. <laughs> Salted popcorn and swear on the other side of the coin. Right. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but to hell with you all for the Valentine hate, damn it. Also, second Urban Legend film is poo, but I like the third one. I am, however, in a fan club for it that includes just me, as far as I'm aware. So if anybody else out there uh, is particularly keen on Urban Legend, colon, Bloody Mary, <laughs> get in touch and you can just have a nice chat. Okay, uh, Chris Ellis at oh boy 1982 mm-hmm. getting in touch to say, at Strong Violent PC, loved the episode today. Quite right in how underrated Urban Legend is. My real gripe is how you boys could describe Monster Magnet as new metal. Have a word with yourselves. Mike was great, and I'm enjoying the Ghost Watch Evolution Pod episode at the moment. Okay, um, a lot to unpack there. Okay, perhaps I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I think uh, I would maybe class Monster Magnet as industrial light. Oh wow. <laughs> Okay. And magic. I guess I was gonna say I don't know if we're making it better or worse. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's 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 a legitimate comment, I suppose. And it's cool also that uh Chris has now found his way to evolution horror. For all we know he was already there. That's quite true. That's quite true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna take the credit for it for now. That's fine. Until yeah. until we're proven. <laughs> uh, until until like until uh, we hear anything to the contrary. You got any more about Urban Legend? Nothing that I particularly want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to the comments that I'm scrolling past. Uh we had um, a couple of things um, people just getting in touch talking about the live show ah yes um, obviously that happened last Thursday at McFabs with John McPhail talking sleepaway camp I had a rip roaring rollicking time ah it was a grand old time a big thank you to everybody that came down and made that what it was yes thanks thanks um, thanks so Alison Montgomery so happy for everyone that it went well was there in spirit and looking forward to downloading it at the earliest opportunity info on that to come Al um, Darren Gaskell getting in touch the repeated slide of Mel just got to me seeing him appear again and again was hilarious uh, that was all down to our AV man, Be Quiet Media's Michael Park. Yes. <laughs> Commandeering those slides yep, expertly. Uh, okay, I've got some stuff on the live show too. Okay, cool. Boz. Ah, Boz. Getting in touch to say, so wish I could have been there. Looks like it was a blast. It was pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, was, yeah, you yeah. missed out. Uh, Annette Rickard getting in touch to say, gutted we were crap and didn't get tickets. So chuffed it went well. What's the space, Annette? We'll be back. In fairness, the tickets were limited. The space was small. 
That is true. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think I think that we were kind of pushing it the way it was actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of snooze you lose kind of thing, but understandable given how few tickets actually existed. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like it was sold out, but the bar was pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> um, one more actually, James Patrick Duffy getting in touch. Uh, absolutely fantastic night, but you boys knocked it out of the park. Lucky Mozart wasn't there, or he'd have caught it and passed out. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah, obviously not Mozart the composer, uh, Mozart the boy who was bullied on set of uh, yeah. <laughs> Sleep Away Camp. And uh, yeah, and I guess I guess tune into the episode for that joke to make sense. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got something here on Howard the Duck, by the way. Oh, cool. Okay, coming in from Ross McIntyre at right. Sane underscore Man, saying strong violent PC asking the important questions such as couldn't Howard just fuck a normal duck? I loved how quickly Mitch shut that down. I was, uh, yeah, I sprang to the defence of regular ducks. <laughs> and propriety. You Absolutely. Tend to, you tend to shut me down quite often. That kind of is your, uh, your lot in life now I, that we've started doing this podcast. It's just to manoeuvre me on quickly from subjects that might be deemed offensive or... Like, I just don't want us to get sued, okay? Fair enough, fair enough. I need to use my law degree for something, Andy. <laughs> I am tapped. For feedback. <laughs> I am also out of feedback. Well, in that case... <laughs> wow, that was a shrill one. It's Mitch's Pitches time! Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. That was a very sassy tongue pop. <laughs> well, we're recording. Andy will send a picture to my phone and it will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and all identifying text. All that will be left will be the central image which we'll also share to all our social media channels. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and also give the film a title and a synopsis. We'll also be looking for you to do the same on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter all through next week and we will read out our favourites next week to that. Yes. Last week we had April Fool's Day repurposed by me as High School Sucks 2, 18 with a bullet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we had some really, really good ones uh, this week, actually. A uh, big well done to everybody. So, uh, Zobo with a shotgun getting in touch on Instagram. Split ends, a tale of family and revenge. <laughs> Thank you, Zobo. Uh, Hanny Ray, uh, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, you're not playing fair. Sarah's dinner party icebreaker game has some deadly consequences in Deadly Dinner Party 2. You won't make it to dessert. <laughs> I think it's pretty I like short. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, you're not being fair. <laughs> yeah, quality tagline stuff again. Yeah. Strong tagline game just in general these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, people are doing pretty well in the old taglines. Alison Garcia getting in touch. Uh, the Brady Bunch gets wasted. I Lovely. Have, I was going to say Braid spelled B-R-A-I-D-Y. Yeah, I got that. Yep. Pretty into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it. Stuart Spark, uh, Bad Hair Day, James Plum, uh, last week's winner? Yeah. Uh, 1987's Noose Women. <laughs> again, just going for simplicity and coming off all the richer for it once again. Yeah, something that might not translate. Perhaps that. not, no. Um, but look, look it up. Tony Constantinou. All right, yeah, okay, here we go. Deep breath. The year is 2006. So a big jump. Having been foiled once again by Ron Mintz and his microwave-powered super squad, nefarious cyborg professor Horatio Spoon sends his... <laughs> Sends his latest maniacal mechanical monstrosity, Bulktron, back in time to alter the future. Bulktron? Bulktron. Meanwhile, in 1990, feeling deflated from years of microwave-related misadventures, Ron realises he cannot continue to fight evil alone and must recruit like-minded individuals to his cause. Oh, God. Right. Following rumours of students developing unusual abilities at Sandwich College... (laughs) Hang on a minute. 
Sandwich College, Sandwich Illinois. Is Ron Professor Xavier? Stay with me on this one. Right, okay. Ron's, on. Ron sets out to investigate the educational establishment newly built near the grounds of the decimated meatpacking facility. Of course, yep. But little does he know, Boxron has already arrived from the future and has infiltrated the school, taking the guise of graduation committee president Bunty Roebuck. <laughs> and is waiting to destroy him and his yet-to-be-assembled team. He's beaten the odds before, but now he must defeat the greatest enemy he's never had. Uncover a plan he couldn't possibly comprehend and save the future before it's too late. Is this the end for Ron Mintz? Starring Chevy Chase and introducing <laughs> Polly Shore as Barry Onions. <laughs> Alyssa Milano as Vanessa Pump. <laughs> and Dean Kane as Jack Amplifier. <laughs> Witness 1989's flatest entry in the increasingly baffling series, Flay Minion 6, Flayvengers Min Symbol. It's time for a graduation day. Right, okay. Pretty strong stuff. Yeah, strong stuff again. Yeah, wild. Yeah. A wild a, mind. Yeah, the Minsiverse expands. Yeah. Kevin Matthews. Right. Correctly, I believe, identifying it as April Fool's Day, he said, I'm a good old Muffy in our April Fool's Day gatherings. Sure, yes. <laughs> or alternatively. When preparing for her big birthday party, Rita Vanderbilt of the Manhattan Vanderbilts decides to forgo the usual array of designers and professionals to allow her classmates and friends to give her a makeover for the evening. With everyone getting merry on fruity punch that is actually mainly just loads of 2020 in a bowl, the friends yes. finally decide to show Rita that they don't like her all that much. In fact, they can't stand her horrible new money ways, how she mistreats everyone, and her insistence on pronouncing Porsche as Porsche. So they paint makeup on her face to make her look like the Joker, weave a noose in her hair, and tell her to go hang herself. Big mistake. Rita is not amused, and the others will all be left hanging. And not just from too much 2020. If you think you've seen everything in horror, then have we got noose for you. Oh. Be sure to check out The Bold and the Braid, aka Here Today Gone Tomorrow, aka Weave Me Alone. <laughs> Big good. A lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, some pretty good stuff in there. Um, and uh, Caitlin Downs, Scared Cheapless. When Muffy chooses to host a dinner party for some friends, she's determined that everyone is catered for. However, the pressure of adhering to everyone's dietary requirements soon triggers a psychotic breakout and a hair-based killing spree in 1984's May Contain Knots. <laughs> I really like that one. I love that one. Uh, and in fact... I'm going to give it to Caitlin. That's sweet. That's legitimate. Yeah, um, yeah. I am happy with that. Yeah. Um, so, May Contain Knots, this week's listener pitch winner. I'm just going to come right out and say something before we go any further. Okay, man. I'm about to send you the image for this week. Right. People know how this works by now. They do. Right. I'm challenging Tony Constantinou to put Ron Mintz to bed. Okay. Just okay. from now until he decides the time is right for a reboot. Yeah. I want to see something that's not Ron Mintz. We're stepping away from the Mintiverse. Just, just br briefly. Yeah. Briefly. No, yeah. that's no that. I mean, yeah. that, that's 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 an, that's an interesting idea, and I'm sure that Tony is going to be up to the challenge. <laughs> okay, so to business. Here it comes. Okay, here we go. There you go. Oh, oh, oh! I like this. I like this a lot. Okay. This is great. <laughs> Pretty low-tech, lo-fi. Yeah, very much so. Uh, this looks like it's been kind of drawn and painted. It's a pretty complex image. There's a lot going on. Sure, yeah, yes. So uh, the background of the <laughs> image is a screaming person. Right. And kind of the top left quadrant of their face is kind of separate from the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Also, the, the, that part of the image is illuminated by what looks like kind of like film set or TV studio lights. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, yep. In the foreground of the image, well, is it the foreground of the image? This is pretty confusing. There is a man with a kind of what appears to be kind of like a, what I would characterize as kind of an 80s hairstyle. <laughs> um, he's holding kind of like a hatchet 
above his head and looking down with a kind of maniacal look on his face. He's wearing a short sleeve t-shirt. Uh, looks like he's about to basically uh, chop someone in the chest. Incredibly ripped. Super ripped, yeah. Yeah, that t-shirt is tight around his biceps. Yeah. <laughs> Make no mistake. Yeah, you're not kidding. And there's a kind of massive outward splash of uh, blood. And at the very front of the image, we have two hands with kind of long painted fingernails uh, yeah. reaching out. And they have been bound by a length of rope. Yeah, they look like they're reaching out in a, in a I'm going to cup testicles motion. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 exactly. Or look, yeah, or they're kind of holding two invisible onions, <laughs> or two invisible testicles, yeah. large testicles, grapefruit-sized testicles. Ba- basically, spherical items of any spherical kind. items of any kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. ostrich eggs. <laughs> Precisely, of course. <laughs> um, okay, I will, as ever, need a moment. Sure. Yeah. And he's off. The cogs are turning. The lights are on, but who is home? I just want to say, obviously Tony can do whatever the fuck he likes, and if he does want to continue the Flame Minion series, we can't actually physically stop him. No, that is true, but I mean, I think that I think that it's worth setting him a new challenge. Cool. Keep him on his toes. Yeah, I'm just spitballing here. You get on with your job at hand. Yeah, you do you, man. This is like this is quite a tricky one. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there are any easy ones. Right? No, I think no, no, this no. This is quite no. a tricky one. Well, okay. Well, are you in a position where you're ready to ready to divulge? Yeah, I think so. Okay then. Pardon. After graduating from acting school, self-proclaimed star in the making Anthony T. Winstead lands his big break with a recurring role on U.S. soap opera institution Gal Pals. <laughs> However, when massive onset rewrites see Anthony's character reduced to a walk-on non-speaking role, he clashes with eccentric director Luca De Laurentiis and the, show- <laughs> and the show's veteran star Olivia Trout. Will Anthony's big ambitions drive him to bloody retribution? Will Olivia and Luca end up on the cutting room floor? Find out in 1987's Massacre at Sunset Studios. <laughs> that sounds infinitely better than the actual film. Oh, really? What is it? Infinitely better. The year's 1975, okay. and the film is the absolutely dismal video nasty snuff. Oh, really? Is it bad? Oh, it's god-awful. God-awful, Mitch. I see. Yeah. Okay. I would watch your film any old day of the week over snuff. I must admit, as I was writing it, felt good. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Massacre at Sunset Studios. That concludes Mitch's pitches for another week. That image is, of course, by now absolutely everywhere. Yes. So um, if you want to get in touch, then uh, all the usual channels will remind you of those in just a moment. But uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Um, So a couple of things left to talk about. Yeah. Um, We have had an idea. Well, we haven't, actually. We stole an idea and made it sound like our idea. Yep, thanks, Dennis. (laughs) Yeah, Dennis Extra Atherton got in touch this week. And there was a reason why we didn't mention some of your stuff in the feedback. Sure, yeah. Uh, Dennis, because... um, Dennis asked just a couple of questions, basically, about the kind of genesis of the podcast and that kind of thing. And it gave us an idea. Because it's been a little while since we've had a bonus ode. And what we figured would be... And this might not work at all. Could be the case that no one gives a flying fuck. And yeah, just in, just in like two months' time, we'll just reply to Dennis's tweet, answer the question, and leave it at that. <laughs> but like, um, lives. We were going to do um, a Q&A episode. Yeah, kind of getting to know you, if you like. Yeah, if you like, yeah. So basically what we're thinking 
we could do was if there was anything that you would like to ask me or Andy or both of us about our other work outside the podcast. Yep, all the podcast itself, the genesis, how me and Mitch came to know each other in any great detail. Yeah. Um, anything yeah. you've ever wondered about how it works? Yeah. Who does what? Spoiler, it's mostly Andy. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, just drop us a line and we'll put all these together, compile them up, and uh, we we will answer your questions in a in a in a short bonus. In a wee bonus episode, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so we're gonna ask you for those by email again. Um, that's strong language violent scenes at gmail dot com. And maybe we'll even ask you some questions. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, I want to mention something really quickly. What is it? Uh, what have I done? Just before we move on, I just want to talk quickly about something that I'm working on at the moment. Right, or okay. That I, or that I will be working on. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, I know, I know. So I am going to be scoring uh, a short film uh, in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Scott Lias and it's produced by Chris Niles. Yeah, former guest, Pumpkinhead episode. Episode 21, if I'm not mistaken, of the London Horror Society. The film is Black Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a short film and uh, there's a whole lot of information about it online. Basically, there is um, a Kickstarter running for that at the moment. Uh, they're trying to raise some finance to get the film made. Uh, it's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it in a couple of places, but if you want to go on, take a look at that. See what you think. By all means, it's out there. So check out my personal pages for information on that. Yeah. However, back to business and a quick look ahead to this week. Yeah. Um, so ah, a nice relaxing week this week because we've actually done the hard work. Yeah, it's in the can, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's the live one. Yay! So if you were there, we chance to revisit. <laughs> Except without the helpful screen. Yeah, we're gonna have to think about how to do with that. <laughs> And yeah, if you weren't there, then um, a chance to get caught up. And our guest for the evening, of course, was Mr. John McPhail. Yeah, who you might know from a previous episode in which John joined us to talk Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And probably more than that, you might know him as the director of Anna and the Apocalypse. <laughs> you might remember him from his from his peak achievement to date. Being coming on to talk about Halloween 3. <laughs> yeah, he was, of course, the director of the excellent Anna and the Apocalypse. And he joined us to talk... Sleep Away Camp! And it was a hell of a good time. Yeah, yeah. I felt quite kind of squiffy towards the end. Squiffy? Yeah, like tipsy. Oh, really? <laughs> I suppose I was kind of getting there as well, but yeah. Um, yeah those red stripe were going down to eat. There are other beers out there, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, other beverages uh, aren't available. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think they, they, they'd, they'd given me a bit of a head rush. Yeah. Um, fear not, though, everybody. We hold it together just about. <laughs> um, and yeah, that'll be dropping on Friday. Yeah, that was not a precursor to just an hour and a half of drunken rambling. No, no, no. It's quite. It's actually pretty cohesive if you listen back to it. <laughs> but yeah, this Friday we will be airing the recording of the live show that we did at McFab's in Glasgow on the 28th of February, where John McPhail joined us to talk about Sleepaway Camp. Looking forward to letting everybody hear this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. And I guess that's just about it for another one. Aww. But if you want to get in touch with this, there are, of course, many ways for you to do that. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC or email scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and if you're wondering, where can I listen to these smooth-voiced Scottish fellows? <laughs> there are many places that you can do that. You can try Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Acast, and, of course, Podbean. And many, many others. Yeah, and uh, whatever your chosen medium is, uh, if you like what you're hearing, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a rate, a review, a like, a subscribe, a share, tell yeah. your pals, or that kind of thing. We've had a couple of these come in lately, and we, we really love them, and they really do genuinely help, according to 
the articles that I've read about <laughs> statistics and rankings and how things work. We have had some, we had a couple of really lovely reviews recently as well. Actually, big thank you to the people who've been getting in touch with those. Yeah. So keep them coming, please. Yeah, that'd be nice. So we're back Friday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.